Welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast of Hope City Church in Clinton, Iowa, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. And we know that life can be busy and hectic, and so whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you have littles running around your feet, or you're a shift worker and you're driving and laboring long hours, whatever you do, this podcast is made for you to hear and to digest the mission and the vision of Hope City Church. It's a vision drip, and so let it drip at your own pace. You can pause, you can rewind, you can do whatever, right? We live in with modern technology, so... Uh, We just pray that this podcast serves to help you live for the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local community. And my name is Nick Powell, and I am here with Ben Parker. Ben Parker. And we are going to talk about on this week's episode, uh, encouragement. I think just just to brag on Ben a little bit, I think Ben is one of the most, he has one of the strongest spiritual gifts of encouragement that I have met in a believer. Like just every room that he's in, uh, people are just, they love it. They love having Ben around and they're, they're really encouraged by Ben's presence. And, you know, it's something we deeply need right now, like in the midst of, uh, COVID in the midst of just the church is a hard place. Uh, being in groups of people and in relationships is a hard thing right now. And so I personally just notice guys like Ben and women uh, as well who have the gift of encouragement. We so desperately need to be encouraged. And so um, Ben is a huge gift to our community because he is such an encouraging presence. But I, we got to talking and thinking, like, why why are we even concerned? Aside from the fact that it's immediately obvious that we benefit from encouragement, um, why does the church care so deeply uh, about being an encouraging community. Um, what do you think, Ben? Like, how, we've been talking about that. Yeah, I think it's just like obviously comes back to a lot of the cultural moment of isolation right now and just looking where we're at now and then looking of where we're going forward as a church as well. And just, um, you know, a lot of people are by themselves or isolated. Even pre-COVID with social media, a lot of people just are used to doing things at a distance and enduring things by their, by themselves without having the encouragement of a community to really like propel them forward in joy mm-hmm. yeah. and fullness. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've noticed over the years is that the church, um, the church gives a big sell. Basically the church community has a message that says, uh, this is all about relationship. Like I had a pastor growing up who would always say, it's not a religion it's a relationship Mm -hmm. and it's just a simple piece of wisdom. I think is totally solid. And so one of the things the church communicates to the world is that in our community is deep belonging, uh, deep relationship. And not only are you, uh, in deep relationship with God, but we're in relationship with one another. And so the church, uh, gives basically this big cell that says, if, Hey, come be a part of this thing that we're doing and you will have meaningful, rich, deep relationship. And we get portraits in the scriptures of what that looks like. You know, like we get snapshots, whether that's the old Testament or the new Testament, we get snapshots of the community of God's people living, um, in a way that we kind of like, it's attractive. Yeah. We want that. Uh, I think of Acts 2, 
um, uh, where they were eating in each other's homes. They were sharing meals together, and they were uh, doing that with glad and generous hearts. It's this very compelling picture of a community that is um, in deep relationship with one another, with God, and then they actually like like being around each other. It seems encouraging. It's yeah. like, wow, so much in the world beats us up, but in the church, this should be a place of encouragement. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of times with the, so out of Acts 2, like uh, obviously sharing around the table, but they also brought all their needs to each other and encourage each other. Yeah, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, but like physically, if there was something there, there was a need, they were helping each other, being met and encouraging each other and striving towards that as well. And not just, yeah, I think just their intentionality is super attractive Yeah, in doing all of that, their heart behind it. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is interesting is asking the question, why? Like, why should we be so intentional with prioritizing uh, being a community of encouragement? Like, why should we encourage one another? And so... If we go to places in the scripture like First Thessalonians, First um, Thessalonians five, uh, let's see, eleven through fourteen, like you have, you have an interesting thing happening here. Um, Paul is writing to this church, and he says basically that uh, Jesus is going to come and meet you. Jesus is going to come again. Um, and we know that Jesus. Uh, after he was dead and buried, he rose on the third day and he ascended into heaven. But one day he will come again and he will renew all things. And in light of that, Paul says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up uh, just as you are doing. So he's commending them. He's saying, yeah, you're doing a good job at this, um, but continue in that. Encourage one another and build one another up. Um, and and so one of the this is a pattern we see in Scripture. Like we also see it in Hebrews um, Hebrews 10. Yeah. Let's see if I can get there. Um, Ben, are you already there? Yeah. You want to read that? Hebrews 10, uh, yeah. 24 he- through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another in love to good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Capital yeah. D day. Yeah. Capital D day. <laughs> Yeah, the day. What is the day is when the Lord appears and comes. And Jesus comes again, and so uh, and then in Philippians two, um, verse one, yeah, says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. This is Paul speaking. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, so being unified, and then having the same love. And being in full accord um, and one mind. And so it's like there's this in light of what Christ has done for us, you know, Christ has given us new life. We've been born again uh, and we've been born again, not just individually given a second chance and renewed life. We've been put together with others who are living this new life in Christ and so uh, Paul is saying it's important for us to be a community of encouragement. Um, number one, because life right now, Jesus, Jesus has not made everything completely right and renewed. So we live in this tension, right, where our inner life is being renewed day by day spiritually. And yet we still live in a world where houses light on fire and people die and people go to work and there's gossip and uh, political elections are tumultuous and viruses still run through the world. 
And so we still face these things that discourage us. And uh, the New Testament is full of commands that say, hey, encourage one another. Life is encouraging in light of what Christ has done. Remind one another, basically, of why we should have hope and why we should um, be encouraged. So I don't know. I find that to be super fascinating. Well, yeah, and like we were talking earlier about, um, yeah, like the, the already but not yet and like, we were given the spirit as a down payment. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. And that's awesome. Don't want to downplay that at all, but we still have, you know, a journey left. And so that encouraging to, to look towards, you know, the, the day when there is no morning, there's no tears and there's no pain and just helping each other strive and not forget that, not forget the light of the gospel and what Jesus did for us yeah. and what one day will, you know, be made new. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, let me go back to you. I want to put the spotlight on you again. Um, so right now as a church, uh, we're living in the midst of a global pandemic, right? Like this is every church is feeling some aspect of pressure because of that. And uh, and so there's a lot of discouraged people. I've found that in general, people are discouraged. And so uh, I've been shared just a little bit like what has been, how is the church for you? an encouraging community? How have you experienced just that basic, hey, this has been an encouraging place for me? Yeah. I So I guess I've been in, in our church, what, four months, October-ish, since I moved home and um, kind of spare the story, but every life life hasn't been great since then. So it's just been- Discouraging story. Very, very uh, not, not cool to talk about, but uh, um, just this whole community just took me in with love and uh, the intentionality, I think, to invite me in and uh, with love and, and just ask questions, not probing to, you know, get anything out of me or, or for any agenda, but just to sincerely know how I'm doing and encourage me in the gospel and, and always pointing towards scripture and always pointing towards God. And uh, it's just been so amazing. So it's like, I look forward to Wednesdays and Sundays. It's you know, I get to see my family. I get to see my friends that like every other day of the week, it's kind of boring and mundane, not saying that, you know, the people I see on a regular basis are, but, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a light, you know, that I look forward to every day just cause it's when we gather together, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's something unlike I've experienced a lot before. I can't say yeah. ever, but a lot before. Right. And then especially now, like, um, so like, I was just in the hospital last week for a couple of days with uh, sickness and not COVID, but I, uh, <laughs> I um, you had pneumonia, I right? Had pneumonia, yeah. It's like run of the mill pneumonia. Yeah, just knocked me out, and uh, <laughs> so I was in the hospital for about two and a half days, and I couldn't come to CG on Wednesday, and then I couldn't come to community or um, church on Sunday. So it was just, and I felt the weight of that. Like I felt so discouraged being by myself in isolation, healing, like thankfully, you know, I'm recovering and, you know, doctors and everyone like so thankful, but I felt the weight of not being around my community, but also everyone still was reaching out to me, sending me Culver's in the hospital, sending me, I had friends send me, bring me a Game Boy and, you know, (laughs) other things like, you know, just. What were you playing on the Game Boy? Tetris. Tetris? You yeah. didn't play Pokemon or anything? No, they didn't have Pokemon. Oh, dang. I totally would have. Done. I played Pokemon on my Game Boy. Oh, absolutely. My green one. My big green Game Boy. Oh, I thought you meant like green Pokemon. I was like, ah, that's not a thing. No. It was the red version? Yeah. 
the blue and yellow. Blue and yellow, yep. Yeah, so in case you're kind of wondering what kind of church we are, we like Pokemon. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like everyone was reaching. to donate a Game Boy. I don't think I have my Game Boy anymore. <laughs> um, but we have like, yeah, we have a group text with our core team and just the amount of love that was sent out in that and then even separately people reaching out and then coming to CG last night for the first time seeing people in a week. And um, I don't say this to brag. I'm very humbled by it. And just I, I continually thank God for it in the last couple of months. But walking into the ho- to the house and the people I haven't seen in the week were their faces were so happy to see me mm-hmm. and genuinely asking how I'm doing. How is recovery going? How is my body doing? How am I doing, you know, spiritually and emotionally, mentally, like genuinely caring for me? Yeah, it completely changed my presence over what I was experiencing last week. Right. Yeah. And and as a pastor, that's really encouraging for me to see uh, others encourage, encourage one another, like the one another's of our community looking at each other and saying like, hey, is there any way I can, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can say for to you and all those things? And one of the things that it illustrates for me at least is like I oftentimes when I'm writing a sermon or, or whatever, if I'm doing something that's ministry related, sometimes I, uh, I assume something uh, is too obvious mm-hmm. to say to someone else. Um, you know, there's this like, um, oh, that's cliche or they probably already know that or whatever, that idea that it's not worth saying because it's so obvious. Well, honestly, some of the most encouraging things that I've experienced over the last few months has been things I already thoroughly have, I don't want to say thoroughly know, but the information I've heard so many times, yeah. <clears throat> you know, like if someone, like these passages in the New Testament, they talk about basically in light of what Christ has done for you, believer, um, and in light in what, of what he's going to do, like your hope in Jesus, um, encourage one another, remind one another. It's like actually what the gathering's for is to be encourage one another that Jesus is real. What he's done for us is real. He's living among us. And oftentimes we forget that we lose sight of that, whether it's because we're going through a hospital stay, you have pneumonia or, or what, or you going through a breakup or life is just, it's just tough. Yeah. Whatever it may be, God has designed the church, the local church to be his means of how he's going to encourage you. So I don't know. It's like that old story where like the guy, you've heard this story. Everyone's heard this story where the guy's like on the roof and he's, or he's in his house and there's a flood and he's praying for God to redeem him from the flood, like get him out of the flood. Mm. And uh, dudes come over to his house and they're like, come on, get out. We're leaving. And he's like, no, no, no. God's going to save me. And then he like progressively goes, has to go up to the roof because the water level is so high. Finally, a helicopter comes and they're like, get on the helicopter. And he's like, God's going to save me. I'm just, I'm going to stay here. I don't need the helicopter. And then he dies. (laughs) He drowns. And then he gets to heaven and God's like, he says to God, well, I I was praying to you. Why didn't you save me? And and then God says, well, I tried. I sent some guys in a canoe. I sent this helicopter. I mean, I tried. Yeah. And one of the things that that illustrates for me sometimes was with encouragement is sometimes I'm praying for this supernatural uh, me in my prayer closet, like just zap me with encouragement and yeah. joy. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Sometimes somebody comes up to me and says, Hey brother, like remember that God is still working in your life. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like what I really need is like the goosebumps listening yeah. to this Bethel track, you know, and that might happen. <laughs> 
that might happen. It's happened to me in the past. I listen to some dope version of it. It is well. And I'm like, it is well. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it's my wife <clears throat> while we're, you know, laying in bed, reading our nightstand books. And she says, it is well. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That encouragement, that's from God, just as much yeah. as the goosebumps were from God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and that story of the flood reminded me of um, in the Gospels when the was it the four friends lower their friend through the through the roof to get to Jesus. Yeah, I think that's like ties directly into that. Like, yes, just the encouragement of your friends to bring them, bring him to Jesus. Yeah, because he says he he's remarks there. He he makes a remark about their faith. Yeah, it's like the action they took to lower their friend like this. Uh, very creative, very aggressive, disrespectful to property act, you know, getting their friend in, in the presence of Jesus. He's looks at that and says, your faith, like I commend you for your faith. And, uh, and I think encouraging one another is an act of faith. Yeah. So I don't know, like, so for you, you're on the receiving end of that recently with the hospital stay and things like that. What are, what are some like, does encouragement come natural to you or do you actively think, I'm going to walk into this group of people and I'm going to uh, strive to be an encouraging presence. Like, how does that work for you? Mm-hmm. I also want to preface that if it sounds like I'm out of breath, I probably am because because you had pneumonia. Just sitting here is taxing, apparently. Um, <laughs> um, I, I was I was thinking about this when we when we started talking about encouragement the other day. Um, I think I've always like tried to say nice things to people, but it's never been like. I'm going to go walk into the room and give a compliment sandwich to everyone, you know, that I, <laughs> that I see here, you know, just to, just to be that guy. Like I really hate the sales pitchy thing of like just walking into a room and just shaking hands and kissing babies and saying something nice. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the biggest no one's thing- kissing babies or shaking hands yeah. anymore anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> COVID wiped that out. So I think now, especially what I try and do is just, uh, what, what comes with encouragement is just you, you take time to get to know people. And so I just want to get to know people, where they're at, what they're struggling with, what, you know, what's important to them. What they're going to tell me is what they feel is important or what they're hinting at most of the time. So then I can find a way to be like, like if someone's, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example without even thinking of myself, but, you know, someone's going through a rough time and their, their self-worth is down, mm. you know, they lost their job or, you know, they didn't get the promotion X, Y, Z, Yeah, you know, like you like just reminding them like of their skills that they have yeah, and like what they're actually, what they are talented at and what they're good at and their value isn't stemmed in like that promotion or that job. Like you still have these skills and just, I think just those little encouragements is what I try to. I mean, I pray to, you know, go into a room and speak big things, goosebump feelings over people from God. Like, yeah. absolutely. I would love to do that. I'm yeah. not, not disclaiming those at all, but I think, you know, the old illustration of like the, the mason jar and you fill in the, what does he feel like the golf balls and then the and sand, the big, the big and, rocks first. Yeah. The big rocks first. So it's like, yeah, they take up a lot of space, but a lot of that filler is with the little encouragement. So I just want to remind, like just trying to remind people as much as I can, like, you know, how good they're doing and what they're good at when they're in their low places. Just cause I've been there. I, I know, I know what it takes to, yeah. how easy it is to slip down that way without having someone remind you. Um, so yeah. just want to, yeah, just always fight for people yeah, and just, and just always see where they're at. And a lot of takes, just takes vulnerability, which I think is where, 
kind of is going to have to be the process of, I think it's never not been the answer, but going forward for the future churches, the key to encouragement. Yeah. The, so for me, I would consider myself, you kind of touched on this the way you're talking is that you've, it's sort of part of, it's not entirely natural to you to always be an encouraging presence, but some of your natural personality is just yeah. generally you're an encouraging guy. Yeah. Um, the way God has wired you. I think that's, yeah. And it's through like love as well. Yeah. I don't want to just go in and like give you a lollipop encouragement, you know, Oh yeah. And, you know, and just be like, all right, I did my job. Hey and, there big guy. Hey man, you're doing great. And like yeah. walk away. But like out of love, genuinely seeing them. Yeah. Like, being trans seeing them and respecting their them and just wanting to speak to them speak life to them and not just like a you know a, a coffee mug saying or anything like that yeah. but just just out of love because i'm you know I, like the people that are close to my life i dearly love yeah so what do you think like you're you're a pretty culturally astute person you've been you like Bridgetown Church and John Mark Comer, and I like I like those guys and Mark Sayers. You read some of these people. For, for those of you who've never heard these guys, like John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers are two people I think you need to at least listen to a podcast or two on. Um, listen to them talk about our cultural moment. Yeah. Um, because what we're living through in as you know believers, like 2021, uh, this moment in history, there's a lot of changes happening. Um, in the the church, and I, I, you know, I think this is affecting people in rural Iowa, as well as you know, like inner city New York. Like we yeah. we are living through some pretty massive changes. So, Ben, like, what are you thinking? Like, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Why do you think encouragement is important for the church moving forward? Why is it something we should prioritize? Because it revol or it involves like face-to-face contact Mm. and not hiding behind something or it involves transparency and involves meeting together in community. Um, You know, I think the virtual community stuff for COVID is a, a bypass is a means to an end, but it has to end. I don't, Hmm. I think there's some online church communities that people thrive and they probably enjoy that and stuff, but uh, I think you're really missing the point if you're not gathering in person and you're not, I don't want to, I don't want to, Sunday morning, obviously, but more so like in the group setting, if you're not meeting together and sharing that time physically, um, like I can get to know you over Skype and you live half the country away and we both are part of some church that allows that, you know, that's fantastic. But like, there's a, there's a disconnect there. There's a boundary line that we are not able to cross because of, you know, sure distance. Right. Whereas if we were together, so I think like what that takes going forward is it's going to take a lot of more people coming out of hiding. And I think especially with the millennial culture, we're, we're so quick to make excuses to get out of something that we're just going to have to like toughen up and, and go. Yeah. You said, um, so are you saying that actually you're missing out on encouragement you're missing out on like it's not as powerful the encouragement's not as powerful if it's not flesh and blood encouragement i think that's right i mean i think that seems to be paul's point in um verse 20 24 25 right of hebrews 
Yeah. Um, let us consider how to stir one another in love. Yeah. Let us consider how to stir one another uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. So obviously this is before iPhones, Skype, Zoom, all that. So he didn't have some of these tools that we have. However, I mean, he's, he's writing this letter and he's saying, don't neglect to meet together, but actually encourage one another um, all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he, for Paul, it seems like there's a correlation between prioritizing in-person flesh and blood mm-hmm. meeting together and how that has the power to uh, encourage one another in Christ. Because like, think if you were, if I were to text you, like if I was to encourage you and you're on the receiving end and I were to text you, like that's nice, like your phone buzzes, you can get a, that might make your day for a little bit. But if we were to meet in person mm-hmm. and I could, you know, give you a hug or shake your hand and look you in the eye, yeah, like what, what's going to hit you, what's going to impact you more? Yeah. And I'm not saying, obviously there's lots of cases where you have to send a text or call like, Definitely do that rather than not doing something if someone's on your heart or you feel like you need to say something to someone. Yeah. But, and I, I think in all instances, as most as you can, like in person, just because that's where, like, that's just where the real change comes. Right. Like the real dynamic happens. Yeah. And this is one of the strongest cases I think there is for why we prioritize the local church. Why there is a need for the local church is because you, you can only really be flesh and blood, um, face-to-face, like in each other's lives to be able to encourage one another. Like you can only be with that, uh, in those relationships with a certain amount of people. Mm-hmm. Um, to actually know and be known, like which is a prerequisite to giving meaningful encouragement. Like I can't really encourage you um, in, in any powerful way unless I really know you yeah. in a meaningful way. Like I got to know your struggles, which kind of leads into... Yeah, it kind of leads into like what when you think through encouragement, you were mentioning to me uh, a little bit ago, there's like something you heard where there's like five levels of communication yeah. and how communicating encouragement can fall into one of these categories. Like what? Yeah. So you like about that? different five levels The uh, Comer just talked about this, the five level. Well, he was referencing someone else, but um, the five levels of communication and it kind of all stems by. Each so stage one is like the largest, so it's going to be your larger network of people. Let's just say like seventy to a hundred people you'd be around on a Sunday, you know. And then each as each level goes, the circle gets smaller. So the first level is cliche, you know, just how's it going? Oh, great, you know, whatever. And then second second level is facts. So like, what did you do today? Um, third opinion: Who do you think is going to win the game? Or you know, who do you think is going to win the election? Just something that you're able to share a little bit more about you. And then I think from there going into four, there's a dramatic, more dramatic jump than one through three. Number four is feelings. So you're putting a name to it. So if you're saying, how are you doing? I, I my circle is small enough. You're in my immediate circle where I can say, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling joyful. I'm feeling, you know, blank. You're putting a name to it. And then the last most intimate level is transparency. And you're just saying, this is me. You know, there's no edit button. There's no filter. Yeah. You know, this is just me. I'm not hiding. Right. You know, this is what, this is who I really am. Right. And obviously you're not going to be at level five with everyone. You're not going to, right. you know, you be at level four yeah. at everyone. But I think the goal and what, what he's saying is that the goal is to have people in those circles for yourself. Right. And that you can't just be hanging out at level one. Right. 
And I think, and like, but then that's where four and five, not saying you can't encourage someone at any point of the day or any level, but the real encouragement comes in the real meaningful encouragement comes in four and five. Yeah. So you're saying that ideally you, you, to, to provide the most impactful encouragement, uh, it would happen at that four and five, yeah. like vulnerable level. Yeah. And I think that's around the table too. Yeah. If you get like a small group of whatever your community group would be, if you're 10 to 12 people, which can I mean, technically compared to his definition is larger, but, um, you know, that's a, when you're around the table, you're sharing life together and you're sharing the highs and lows and you're able to like create this environment of transparency and just openness. If you, if you want, you know, you can't really force anyone to do it, but, um, I think that's where a lot of healing comes from too as well. I agree. You know, and I think it's hard. I mean, is this hard? Like it's, it's hard to, to be vulnerable and to receive encouragement. Like, okay. So for me personally, I'm not as naturally prone to being just like my personality is not of like, I wouldn't say my personality is naturally encouraging, um, in, in the way that I interpret, I guess, encouragement, like, you know what I mean? And so I struggle to, um, I, because, okay. So I'm like a four on the Enneagram. I don't know if anybody uh, reads the Enneagram or whatever. It's like a personality test and I am more of a introspective kind of deep feeling romantic. Um, like my emotions I think are huge and only me experiences them. Like that's kind of a broad brushstroke. What does it mean to be me? And so I'm prone to interpreting encouragement from others as like fake and trite. Oh, you know, so if somebody who's more of a naturally encouraging person, I think of them more as like Michael Scott from The Office, just aloof and goofy and surface level. And so I, I don't know. That's a barrier for me um, to receiving encouragement for some people because sometimes some people are genuinely happy and they genuinely want to encourage you. And sometimes they 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 bring that like energy level into a room and they're like, hey, brother, how are you doing? And like they just really want yeah to be loving to you and that that's the way in which this happens in the midwest all the time right there's that midwest nice like you know how's the weather oh just looking forward to that warm streak that we're gonna get 35 degrees you know 15 degrees a day yeah gonna be wearing shorts next week when it's at 37 so but i think with that too like and i was just thinking about this i want to correct myself not all encouragement is just like a you're doing well, you're doing like a, like a compliment mm. or a, I think that's great. And that's like probably going to take up a large percentage. And that's what a lot of people think. Uh-huh. But even, I think even more of encouragement. And this is why the, the face to face is part of it. Cause it's your presence. So like yesterday, like I was defeated. I felt very defeated, um, last week with being sick and, um, having some big major life decisions to make and then being, and then going straight into the hospital and being isolated all week and missing out on my community, missing out on my friends. And, um, and then yesterday, Nick and I got coffee and normally we talk about dreaming and plans and stuff. And yesterday I was just like goofing off and talking and hanging out as friends. And it was like, I left really encouraged by that. So I think a lot of times I don't want to get disillusioned that you have to go out there and like be praying that you can have a, you know, something nice to say to someone like obviously do that but your presence is encouragement probably they'll mm. speak louder more so than that's huge your you know your words that you're trying to forcing to make or something right. to just i think that's and that's where like a lot of that 
when the vulnerability and you can see what to encourage people on is because your presence with them. Yep. I, th- I, Eugene Peterson is one of my pastoral heroes. Uh, I read some of his books and some of my friends, uh, also like Eugene Peterson. So I've, one of the quotes that I've heard often on pastoring that I think is the best of like summing up pastoral ministry is, uh, that pastoring is a, ex- almost exclusively a ministry of presence. Yeah. And I would extend that out beyond pastors. I would say, given that we all are uh, priests, the Bible calls us a, that we're a priesthood of believers. Every human being that believes in Jesus has the Spirit of God in us, and we now have the capacity to encourage one another, like meaningfully with our presence, because we're not just bringing each other ourselves, we're bringing each other God to mm-hmm. bear on each other's lives. So I think to your point, like it seems like that's one of the biggest ways to encourage one another is just offering each other our presence. Because think of how shocking that is to living in Austin and you lived in uh, Des Moines is another big city context. But um, most people don't hang out in houses or apartments like it's you're going to meet at a coffee shop. You're going to meet at the brewery or, you know, wherever the park, Um, which is that's nothing wrong with that. But like. Think of how shocking it is coming out of COVID for someone like that that's been isolated just to like sit with them. You know, mm-hmm. either have them over your house. I think in the Midwest, we are so blessed that that's a norm. Yeah, that's right. Compared yeah. to like, I would love to bring that to attitude that. to the bigger city. That's yeah, like a, and yeah, that's a dream of mine <laughs> is to like bring that the table to the big city. But, um, but just like someone that's coming out of that and like used to hiding behind social media, not like, not that they're, starting wars, but, you know, putting out a front that everything's fine and, you know, happy social media person because that's what it is. And then you just have them over and they're just shocked that you're sitting there with them yeah. intentionally with your phone down, right. looking them in the eye and just listening or yeah. talking about sports or whatever, you know, just like right. you're present with them. Like, I think that speaks yeah. way more volumes than to, to someone in, the, in like in that context where we're trying to meet the lost. Right. That has never had that. Like they're, they're a lot of, in the Clinton context, you get a lot of people that their best friend is guy that they, you know, might work night shift with and they get, you know, a beer a couple of days a week and sit in silence at the bar and watch the game. Like, the, and then that's, oh, that's my best friend, Joe. And it's like, yeah, there's no depth. There's no like transparency. There's no intimacy. There's no like knowledge of each other's lives. Right. And you know, the, the cool thing about that is that you have, um, uh, you have Christ in the gospel demonstrating to us that he, that's the best thing that we have is God himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the gospel in a nutshell is that, uh, by grace through faith, we get the presence of God, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that reminding one another of the gospel in the midst of this conversation, I think is super important because, you know, when you talk about vulnerability and transparency, um, it's really hard, yeah. you know, like even in a one-on-one context with best friend, Joe, one of the reasons why it's so difficult to be transparent and to talk with one another about like that level four and five communication is that it's scary. There's, there's anxiety and fear about is what's Joe going to do with that information yeah, to trust people to trust. Yeah. Is he going to shame me? Uh, is he going to condemn me? Is he going to judge me? Judge me. Yeah. So for you, like how has, how has Jesus, um, walking with Jesus and what is, what is it about the cross and the gospel that, 
um, kind of helps you deal with those fears in a community? Because you you're a pretty intentional guy in terms of like being vulnerable. You share things in a community context that I think most people would be like, I don't know if I want to talk about that. That's hard, mm-hmm. you know, so. I think I've done enough fluff in my life that like I'm just over it. Yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day about um, my salvation and why I stuck along with it. And I think I was very, very fortunate to be involved and have a close net, be put into a close network of support. Um, but I'm, I think it was also, I'm just like, I'm tired of like, this other stuff's not working. So with, as far as like, you know, in the Christ centered community, I think just a people, I've been very fortunate in my experiences with groups. Everyone is so loving. They show the love of Christ. Like you can tell there's not a, uh, like a hidden agenda or mm, like, you yeah. know, a secret black journal that they're hiding stuff into like, you know, blacklist you or blackmail yeah. you later, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So, um, I think that I've been very fortunate with that. And luckily, like I have a, I had a decent radar at the time, you know, to, to know that, but also like, I don't care. Like judge me. This is me. Like if you don't want to deal with it, then yeah, well, I tried like, yeah, I think I just got, there's too much crap going on in our lives that to risk, to not risk, not, not risk taking the risk. Yeah. And I think, and then like, I don't know. And then as I became more secure as a Christian, like my identity isn't as secure going into those communities in Christ through what he's done, that my identity isn't based off what, you know, Nick's going to think if I open up my, my heart to him about, that's right. You know, pains that I'm going through or struggles that I'm going through. And like, that's his, if he doesn't want to accept that, then that's, that's fine. You know, that's, that's fine. But like Christ gave me freedom to be transparent and, and, to be open with other people and, and through his spirit. Right. I think of Romans eight, there, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so for us as believers, what shields us, I think from the shame and anxiety, uh, and the condemnation that could come from being transparent with somebody and then have them mishandle that. What shields us from that is that the most important relationship in our life is us and God and that relationship is not dependent on uh, what junk I have in my life. Mm-hmm. He, God already knows everything, right? Like God knows everything about my, like what's in the basement of my heart. And yet God chose to love me and Christ went to the cross on my behalf. And so there's all this living in, um, living, uh, what's the right point? Like living mindful of the cross and uh, in light of that reality, it's like it, it helps us be more encouraging, I think, to others uh, and to receive encouragement from others because it takes a sense of security in, the, in our identity in Christ to walk into a room of people, no matter how long you've been doing life with them, to walk into a room of people and to share uh, struggles, screw-ups, fears, doubts, to, to share it, to be vulnerable, takes a sense of some sense of faith yeah. that no matter what I say, I'm still okay with God. Yeah. And that's what matters. And it's <clears throat> that, that strength and that identity and that core, like you were just talking about, that, that um, you know, knowing that and being found in that, to also be open about what you're enduring. And I think that's where, like, a lot of, like, we encourage each other. We're talking about the spirit being down payment. We're, you know, we're not there yet. We still struggle with everything in this mm-hmm. world. And it's like, 
that we're we're encouraging each other to endure those things. Yeah, like you know, we're we're I can't wait until I don't have a failing body or I can't wait until I you know, don't have to be sad or anymore and having Jesus come back, but it's like there's things that I struggle with that like I'm still waiting for God to take away or you know, certain people have addictions and patterns and stuff, but it's they're enduring those things by the spirit of God. They're mm-hmm. like Think of how big of a testimony is that that is to the spirit and the power of the spirit to struggle with an addiction and not fall back into it. Like when it's just, that's right there, just tempting you Yeah, and that you're just enduring and you're just knowing that you are on solid rock. Yeah. The letter uh, of Jude, Jude writes this letter to encourage the church to basically uh, keep the faith and contend for the faith, um, persevere, basically endure. Yeah. Jude's message there in that book. And the, and at the end of the book, he says that God keeps us. It's God is the one that perseveres the Christian. And I think that it's important to say, recognize, how does he do that? Like, how does God persevere us? And I think one of the ways is that he uses other believers yeah. in the church to encourage you. Yeah. You know, like... I think, it, I mean, it all comes back to that story of the the flood and the the guy like yeah. I don't know that just is like it's simple it's but it's mic like, drop just yeah. <laughs> walk away like yeah I think that's cuz that's especially when you get first saved and like you hear about the miracles of God and <clears throat> you hear about the red sea and everything like yeah you want those things and he can like absolutely he can you mean like not, big spiritual yeah yeah like big spir- like I want like this addiction to be gone just yeah magic wand psh, yeah. like it's gone but like the little things and the people that he brings into your life are a lot of times the vehicles that get you to, you know, your healing, to your recovery, to, yeah. to your joy. Yeah. So shameless plug for a local church. Uh, you know, I'm, local, I'm a local church guy. Like, get in a local church. Like, those of you who are discouraged, whether you go to, uh, whether you are a member of Hope City Church or whether you're just listening from somewhere else, uh, the local church is God's ordained means to encourage you and to keep you in the faith. And I think that that's, it's a power. That's essentially what Paul's arguing in Hebrews. Is- well, I would also say, so just because I think a lot of people would, I'm going to be very specific with this local church. Yes. But a lot of times that means Sunday, then you need to be intentional to get into a small group. That's right. Like get into yeah. a community mm-hmm. that if they have one, and right. I know right now with COVID it's stupid and, rules and such but well um, and that you know what i think meeting in the home like so you see that portrait in acts 2 and it says that they ate their um, meals and shared meals together in the home with glad and generous hearts and so you have this uh you have this sense in which people were prioritizing these small in-home gatherings and that was a huge means of encouragement life around the table was massively encouraging for them and uh, that's something we can do even in the midst of a pandemic, uh, at least in Iowa, I don't know, maybe California or other states that I'm not as familiar with, but I mean, our context here is that no matter what the regulations have been uh, since this whole pandemic started, you could all, you were still free to go to each other's yeah. houses. Yeah, we're very fortunate. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. And so... But think of like for Acts 2 context. Yeah. How threatening, like why was that... Why were they per- like? Why were they attacked? Yeah. Like, why was that threatening to the establishment to the Roman culture mm-hmm. and everything? And then put that into context to why would that that home model, that community model, be threatening to modern culture today? Hmm. 
It's a question for you, Nick. Oh, well, it's a form of protest for sure. So one of the biggest things that uh, got people's feathers ruffled back in the day in the first century was that a bunch of people were running around saying someone else was king. Someone else was king, like Jesus is king. This Jesus dude is king of the world. And for that culture, they worshiped the, they expected, the Roman government expected that you worship Caesar. And so for anyone to say, make a claim that someone else is king is, is to commit treason. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why Christians were persecuted is because they were seen as rebellious uh, rabble. And so for for us, I mean, I look, I'm not going to make a statement on uh, how we should, our tone or what, like there's so many things, there's so many ditches to fall in um, with rebelling against our government. Like I think overall, uh, I think I guess I didn't mean government. I guess I mean more culture. No. And that's what I mean is that like the government right now is like with politics and that's kind of the pressure point for a lot of like how we gather as a church. But, um, being in commu- being a community of encouragement is not predicated on, uh, buildings, programs, um, like, like that's where the arguments are is mm-hmm. how are we going to get all these people on Sunday mornings into this space so that we can praise and worship with these big speakers and, you know, like with our coffee bar and, or whatever. Like if you're a Catholic church too, this applies to that church. Like it's so much of what we're concerned with as a community and how we gather is so Sunday morning centered. And the encouragement piece here totally transcends. You can be an encouraging community without meeting on Sunday morning. You know, like if they, if, if Sunday mornings were no longer a thing, we could still gather together, uh, remind one another of the gospel, take the Lord's Supper, sing, whatever we need to do that can happen in the home, that can happen in the coffee shop, that can happen. Like the church is the church uh, wherever, you know, as long as we're together, flesh and blood. Uh, and it, and it, it's a thing that can happen in small numbers too. Like like to Ben's point, you're saying how we the it's important to be in a small group. Like mm-hmm. it's really important. It's really important no matter the size of your church. Maybe your church is a small group like ours. Like if your church is big or small, you need at least a handful of folks that you can say, these are the people that know me and I know them and we can apply encouragement uh, to each other's lives in a very specific way. Like I know Ben uh, and his story and so I know where he's struggling and so I can apply uh, encouragement in Christ in these areas. Hey, Ben, like, you know, this is an example from the hospital. You're in the hospital and you're in between jobs. And so you've already been kind of like floating around, like living, you know, you're living in Clinton, like where you grew up and uh, you don't have, you're in between jobs. And so you have a lot of time on your hands and a guy, and I know this, like a guy in his hometown who hasn't lived in his hometown for a little while, uh, who's who's got no job to do and he's just kind of hanging out, your mind can wander in discouraging places. You can almost feel like you're a kid again. And and so for, for Ben, like I've just known like, okay, I, I want to continue to just encourage him that God is still working on his life. His vocation is still being shaped by God. Like the call on his life, he's still called to live a meaningful life. He's not, uh, he's not stagnate, uh, plateaued or whatever, whatever word you want to use. So for me, I just like keep encouraging him like, man, God is doing wonderful things in your life. And I know how to encourage him because I know his struggles. Yeah. And he knows my struggles. Like there's things that, and, and that can only really happen in a context like a community group 
and you don't have yeah. to meet in the home. I mean, I think that's in the Midwest, at least we have these houses that we're already paying for. So we might as well use them to have people mm-hmm. in, inside them. So I don't know. That's why I'm passionate about in the home ministry. Oh yeah. I think in the big city, I think, I think anywhere I'm very biased on it, but um. <laughs> like eating meals. I mean, Jesus, the son of man came eating and drinking. Uh, he ate with sinners and he ate with his disciples. I mean, the most significant event, uh, like the most significant conversation and um, moment with his disciples happened at the Last Supper. Yeah. Supper, not the Last Dinner. <laughs> Sorry. Gosh. People, I've gotten so much. I have a, a pastor friend of mine that would like always give me crap for saying supper instead of dinner. Because like supper is like a really Midwest folksy oh, yeah. thing to say. Supper club. Supper. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus ate the Last Supper. I think so. Not to get off the supper train here, but oh, okay. um, <laughs> that train left the station. Yeah. Um, I think when, when I was asking you about the context of why it was threatening to culture then and then culture now, the first thing I think of is what's, so when you're in a community together, so you already knew the answer to the question. Well, I, <laughs> I knew you weren't going to think the same thing I do. We never think like yours, you're going way more heady than I do. So, um, well, that's good because everybody probably was like, what are you even talking about? Um, bring us back. My, my first thing is that I think of, and we talk about this a lot, how it's starting to creep into Clinton a little bit, but it's in the big city, obviously like the postmodern culture of the hyper individualist. Um, I know a lot of people that have left the faith, have left, Mm -hmm. you know, strong context of things because they're in a situation where they feel like it's grind, grind, grind. Like you do you, you have to like, you know, push others aside. Like, you know, don't work, don't lean on anyone else. You need to ditch that relationship to go, you know, be an entrepreneur like your boss. You need to do X, Y, Z. Like, and whereas that's so, that's the norm to think that way now. And then people get lost along the way, obviously, during that and get burnt out. But in a community context, you're leaning on each other. You're supporting each other. You need each other. It's like a trellis and a vine. You need that, that anchor, that something that's put in place mm-hmm. that you can grow with. And you're not by yourself. You're not trying right. to just edge your way on and it's not just for me. You know, you're not just trying to get a trophy on the wall or, you know, do whatever. Because it's like you're, you're going to get to those places and realize what you push along, like what you sacrifice. You had to sacrifice something on the way. But when you get there, a lot of times you hear about stories about this all the time with business leaders and entrepreneurs that they ended relationships, they ended friendships, they did all the things that they needed to work 90 hours a week or more, whatever right. kind of math. Yeah. And <laughs> they, um, and then it's like, they get to the point, they get to the end goal. They got that million dollar business. They went IPO or whatever. And then it's like, well, now what? Yeah. Like, was it worth it? Yeah. They're discouraged. So I think like just the, the big like pushback against that postmodern individualistic culture. I, not a big fan of it so yeah it is a form of cultural protest you know it's a quiet form of protest to say i'm not going to okay so there's a church that i really respect called i think it's called grace point or something great it's something grace and it's the pastor's name's ed kang and he's out in uh i believe san francisco and his story is he's an he's an asian pastor and he pastors a predominantly asian uh, multi-ethnic church and there is um there's this like ideal that they live into. They say, this is how he tells his story. They went to college, they got saved, and then they lived that college lifestyle as believers, always in each other's homes, always prioritizing mm-hmm. relationships. And then when college ended 
everyone was expected to kind of just go into their career fields and go hit hit the rat, rat race and chase the American dream. And he said that they basically protested against that. And they said, why don't we just stay living the way we're living? Frat house Christianity. Yeah, I mean, like, he, he describes how his house has an, uh, he has, he gives people fridge rights. So oh, people yeah. come over to I've their house that. and open up the fridge and they don't even have to ask. Yeah. So he actually says that's what you can do to judge some of the quality of your relationships. Yep. Ask yourself, who do you know? Is there anyone in your life that has fridge rights at your house? that can come into your house without asking permission and open up the fridge. And I, I don't have even, I would say our, our uh, community is pretty tight knit right now. Um, and there's not a ton of people that would feel that comfortable to just open up our fridge. And I think for most people, there's zero people beside they're a nuclear family, yeah. you know, like obviously kids and stuff, but you have, you have an opportunity to, cultivate a community of encouragement when you protest against the rat race uh, and say, look, I just, look, I could chase that career at a level of 90 hours a week and achievement and all that stuff, but I may be forsaking some of that for the sake of community yeah. and for God. And, and, and the question is, is that worth it? And I think the New Testament's overwhelming that it says yes prioritizing the relationship with God and the relationship with others over career set success or whatever, um, the reward is great. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else rolling around in your head? No, I just, I like that fridge. Yeah. Thing. I can't remember if we've talked about that before. I've heard fridge stuff rights. like, 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 you know, the level of intimacy of your relationships by like a fridge rights or if they have a house, you know, like house key or whatever it is that, it was like I've always I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So can we can we call your house the Animal House then? <laughs> yeah. Like, like our community group is just Animal House. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Cool. Perfect. Great. I'll get the togas. <laughs> no, but dude, nobody's seen that movie anymore. Anyone our age and younger probably hasn't seen that yeah. movie. Use. Uh. Uh. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I think let's wrap it up. Another plug for the church. The local church uh, is the local church is a place in which encouragement um, can come your way. And now, if you're if you're a believer, look like getting this coming into the church, like a church community, can be super intimidating because you have people that believe different than you uh, about politics. Like chances are, when you roll up into a, a church community, there is someone in the room that if you bore like if you brought your soul to bear on them in every little way, they would disagree with you. They'd say that I feel offended or mm -hmm. whatever. And so there's a real high energy barrier for some people. And I just want to validate that. It's really hard to enter into a community, uh, a church community specifically. But I do believe that it's worth it. I believe that it's 100% worth it, even in the midst of the pain. Um, and I, and the reason I think is worth it is because Christ purchased the unity of the church. Like mm -hmm. he, by his blood shed on the cross, he purchased this unity. He's reconciled Jew and Gentile and reconciled enemies. Um, and so it's this, this mindset that if we can remember anything, as I think we need to remember that Christ reconciled us to himself when we were enemies of his. And so if he can do that, then uh, in this context of the church, like we can, we can bear with one another. It's possible because yeah. the spirit of God is among us, knitting us together. 
I think a lot of, like a lot of this podcast was aimed towards, I think we aimed at both like the receiving end of encouraging and then the giving end. Uh-huh. And we kind of tied a lot into like getting into a group, which is awesome. I think we could do a, like, I was just thinking doing like a part two or addressing more so of being on the, so like being the community and fostering that atmosphere of encouragement and like, not that there's a black and white how to do it, but you know, like how to do it would be interesting as well. Just cause like give a nugget just to, just a wet or whistle a little bit. I think just what, like, especially if you, I think being patient, you were talking about like the vote, like the realness of someone coming in and not wanting to share or like their, their anxiety with that and just being patient with them. And then when they do not discourage, not discrediting their story. Right. And not discrediting them, that, not, not discrediting their life. Right. Yeah. So look, I mean, we could probably talk forever about the encouragement thing. I think it's good. We should do a part two on cultivating a community of encouragement. Maybe like put it like maybe simplify it into like some practices, like some very tangible practice we can put in place to be and to cultivate a community of encouragement. I also like the trellis and vine thing. Big fan, big fan of that imagery. I wish I could steal that. Someone else just spoke that about over me. So I was like, there's a book called the trellis and the vine. And it's super popular in the church, and it's really helpful. Maybe it was that book? Nah, I don't... No, it wasn't that. Okay, so thanks for listening to Hope City Drip. So whether you live uh, in Clinton or not, or whether you're a member of this local church or not, uh, we just hope that you live into this vocation, this life that Jesus has called you on, uh, to be a blessing to those around you, to to be an encouraging presence to those around you. And the good news is, is that Jesus has equipped you to do that. He's given everything to you that you need to be an encouraging presence, which is his spirit. uh, And you are now commissioned to go out and do that. So uh, you are called to go and bring this good news, the good news of Jesus to uh, your local community. So we just pray that you do that and, uh, and God bless.